Good. Now, you guys sound stoked right now. Yeah, Angel. Um, okay. So, last week, uh, I don't know who, you know, I think a lot of you are here. We talked about basically living lives that do not conform to the patterns of the world, living lives that are surrendered completely to God, living lives that do not compromise um, and bend to the standards of this world, but submit to a higher standard uh, of living. And uh, so I was going to kind of continue in that this week, but over the, uh, over the course of the week, God was really speaking to me um, and just wanting to um, just, just bring about a message, basically um, talking about what that looks like in our lives today um, and, and a life completely surrendered to God um, and how that manifests, you know, as we go about our lives in school, as we go about doing ministry. And um, so we call ourselves a revival ministry. And we believe that right now God is doing amazing things all throughout the world. Um, South Korea, China, California. I mean, amazing things are happening everywhere. And we are so excited about the absolute um, powerful move of God that is happening um, right now. And we believe that revival is breaking through and revival is, is happening. And we want to be a part of that because who here wants to be a part of what God is doing wherever it is? I know I do. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit tonight about the traits of a revivalist and what it means to be a revivalist um, today. And I kind of felt, I guess, unqualified to, to maybe teach this. Um, but God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I did not make that up. I just stole it from somewhere. I think I stole it from Yannick's Facebook, actually. Thanks, Yannick. So, um, <laughs> but for real, um, that's, that's the message that God really put on my heart for tonight. Um, so I'm going to take us through um, three points of what I believe it looks like um, to be a revivalist and what the life of a revivalist will reflect. So the first of those points um, being that what we do as Christians, this, this kind of goes for you know any Christian, what we do as um, believers in God, as revivalists, everything we do should be birthed out of intimacy with God, out of intimacy with Christ. And um, I think today, and I've, I've mentioned this before, I think today in the church we have a big problem of uh, many people who know a lot about God and do not know God in the deepest parts of their soul, do not have that deep and intimate connection. Uh, I know, you know, I know people at, I mean, I've talked to people at school who, who know a lot about God, and, and there's, there's even a few people that I've had the pleasure of um, discussing with that have PhDs in theology that their whole goal in life, um, maybe not their whole goal in life, but a big part of their life is trying to steer people away from Jesus. So you can know a lot about God and not know God. I'm not saying that is, you know, a huge part of of the church or a huge part of the body of Christ. But I think that a lot of people have, have lost just the importance of, of that deep and intimate connection that God is a living God, um, who we can know, who we can spend time with. Um, Moses, um, spent days, spent hours, spent his whole life practically in, in the tap, in the presence of God, um, experiencing God being spoken to face to face with God. And um, Joshua, 
uh, in the same way, after, after Moses would, would leave the, the, the place of, of meeting with God, Joshua would linger, and he would just sit in the presence of God. And I think that today it's not taught enough how absolutely important that is and how beautiful of a thing that is that we, as mere humans, have the opportunity to sit here now in the presence of God. We oftentimes think of heaven as being this place where we can go and sit in God's presence. And guess what? It is. That's fantastic. But we have it now. Heaven is here. You know, we, we have the opportunity to sit at God's feet. And that's what I believe we were created for. I believe that we as humans were created for the sole purpose of loving God and being loved by God. Of knowing him. My philosophy class right now that I'm taking at, at the JC, it's really, it's really cool, really interesting. I'd, I'd recommend it. And I think the chief question that we are addressing in, in the entire class is the question of what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? And um, every time we get around to that, I kind of just want to stand up and, and announce that I got it and that um, we found the answer. And it's right here. And just kind of go into a message. I think my teacher would kick me out if I did that, so I'm looking for the right opportunity. Um, but, you know, we have the answer. We have it. We have an ability to meet with God and fulfill that deepest desire in our heart, that deepest longing in our heart. And I would put um, forward the point that sitting at the feet of Jesus in his presence is the greatest and the highest of all pursuits. Um, if we could get the passage from Luke 10 up on the screen. Um, It says, Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So out of the mouth of Jesus himself, only one thing is needed. There is one thing. The single most important thing is our relationship with God. The fact that we can meet with him. The fact that we can sit at his feet, enjoy his presence, be with him, hear his voice. All the, all the striving and the work and the labor that we do really amounts to nothing if what we do is not birthed from intimacy with Jesus Christ. That is something that we need to seek and pursue. Um, the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't force his way in. So it's something that we, he's, he's offering it to us. He's handing it as a free gift. And we need to receive that. We need to seek it and take it. So what does that look like? Well, um, just like with, with any relationship, intimacy requires open communication. It requires trust, it requires love, and it requires acceptance. We need to accept Christ's gift to us, accept his mercy, accept his grace, accept the fact that we are now made perfect in his eyes, in God's eyes, and realize that we are fully loved, fully accepted, fully covered by his grace. And we need to realize that he is our father, you know? I mean, this, this time of intimacy with God is where we get to talk to daddy, where we get to pour out our hearts, where we get to hear his voice. Um, just as any relationship that requires intimacy is a two-way relationship. I mean, I, I assume that, you know, for the people who have a spouse in here or a significant other, um, when you, when you go out, it's not just one person doing all the talking and you just kind of sit there and listen the entire time. Um, 
God wants us to listen to him. And I think a lot of people, when they pray, sit there for, you know, however long and talk to God. And that's great. I mean, talking to God is, is crucial. That's important. Um, but when Jesus modeled for us what the, the ideal prayer is, he didn't gab for, for a really long time. He, he said a few quick phrases and, and then just, you know, a lot of times we see him just meditating in the presence of God. And so that's important is to listen, to receive what he has for us, to hear his voice, to, to communicate with him, to hear from him. Um, to read his word, that's, that's a huge way that he speaks to us is through, through the Bible. I mean, um, spending time in this word is, is absolutely essential um, for, for the Christian life. This open communication is absolutely essential for your relationship with Christ and intimacy to grow and blossom. And cool things happen too. Like I just, I, I, I really want to, I really want to tell this, like this, this last week I was just sitting, sitting in the presence of God and just just praying and just listening to God. And over the past um, few few weeks and few months, I've noticed that when I'm when I'm praying, all of a sudden I'll just say like I'll say Sha and, and speaking in tongues or whatever it'll come out. And just praying in English it'll come out. And I don't know, I didn't know what that means, and it's kind of weird. And I'm like, why am I just saying things that I don't know what they mean? Um, so I was praying to God. And I was like, you know, what, what does that mean? Like, why do I do that? And He said, go look it up. So I was like, okay. So I just typed it into Google clicked the first thing that came up, and it turns out that Shah, which I'd been saying for the last couple weeks over and over when I was praying, didn't know why, is Persian for king or king of kings. And so, I mean, just, just spending time with God, you, you, you learn just crazy things about God. It's cool. So, I mean, it's something that we should pursue. You know, like you get to, you get to hang out with God. It's, it's not, it's, it is like a very formal relationship because it's the God of the universe, but it's also a very intimate relationship because it's Jesus, your best friend, your lover, Jesus Christ. So intimacy with God guides and empowers us. It enables us to do his work. Um, intimacy, you know, it requires turning an ear to heaven, hearing his voice, and it allows us to understand what God is doing, and it tunes us in to the movements of his presence, to his desires, to his will. Um, I don't know if any of you have tried to do, you know, on your own, something that you thought God was calling you to do, and if, and if he wasn't. Uh, it's very hard to do, you know, something like a ministry that God isn't calling you to do. When you're striving and, and working for something on your own, um, it doesn't always work. We are not called to go out and be the perfect ministers. We're not called to go out and, and um, just do Christian activities all night and all day, 24-7. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is knowing and loving Jesus Christ with our whole being, every part of us, everything that we are. And through that, he empowers us and he leads us to where we are called, what we are called to do, and how we are called to do it. So really, the fact, you know, as a revivalist, everything we need to do needs to be birthed through intimacy so that we can have that direction. We can have that Um, that leading of the Spirit, that guidance, that intimacy with God that empowers us. Also, I was was at church today, and and my my pastor was was, um, coincidentally speaking on uh, intimacy, which was amazing. I love when that happens. And uh, he was telling us that intimacy with God is is a form of warfare. Um, You know, David knew that, as as we see in the Psalms. Intimacy with God um, was his rock, was his defense. He, he fled to God and, and hid under the shadow of God's wing. God was his rock and his fortress and, and his defender. Um, and we can come to God in intimacy and, and have him fight our battles for us and work through us. So as I said, um, you know, through intimacy, we are filled with the Spirit. We are led. We are guide. A verse in Romans 8.11, which I believe we, we have here, 
Romans 8.11 says essentially that um, the Spirit of God, um, which raised Christ from the dead, dwells in us. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead, He will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. So, yeah, Jesus Christ lives in us. That's a powerful force, and it, it empowers us to do His work. Which leads me to my second point. So, everything we do birthed in intimacy, operating through intimacy. Second point, we are operating in the power of God. Um, I'm going to read us a passage in um, Acts chapter, chapter 5, 12 through 16. Um, I'll summarize what, what's, what's taken, uh, taken place previous to, to this. Basically, the disciples... Uh, Peter and John were um, traveling, and then they encountered a beggar cripple, and they reached out, touched him, and he was healed, and he was um, leaping and dancing and praising God. I'm sure we've all sung that song in children's church or Sunday school. Um, And they were arrested because of said events and released. And upon their release, they prayed, they sought God, they sought intimacy with God, and um, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, says in uh, Acts 4.31, uh, after they prayed, the place where they were was, uh, meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God boldly. So they were filled, they were empowered. Um, then it goes on to talk about their, their lifestyle, how they shared their possessions, and the story about a man and woman, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, who did something. And then the next passage, which I'm getting to, um, 5... Verse 12 says this. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all were healed. So we see that just as we are revivalists in today's day and age, seeking the move of God, op, uh, birth in intimacy, uh, operating in the power of God, um, in the same way that the apostles in the early church were, were the revivalists. They were, I mean, how many of you know, they were waking up, they were awakening Jerusalem to some big news, to some good news, to a radical gospel, to something that no one had ever heard before. That is our same calling today, to awake Sonoma County to this move of God, this powerful gospel of Jesus. So they were revivalists, we, as we are revivalists, and we can use their model. Um, so they were operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, in Mark chapter 16... Verses 15 through 18, we have a passage that says, He said to them, this is Jesus talking, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people 
and they will get well. So we see the apostles operating in the gifts of Jesus, Jesus Christ's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Um, and I don't know, you know how many of you know that that stuff still happens today. Um, I, in my church, in the last two years, I mean, uh, four people have been healed from stage four cancer just through prayer. That doesn't just happen. Uh, in the last week, I've seen uh, two healings just through God operating through my own hands. Um, and, and over and over, two prophecies that have, that have been fulfilled in the last, the last week. And so over and over, we're seeing more and more of this awakening to what God is doing, a new a move of God to those who have faith to work in power. Um, it's happening all over the place. Um, Thirteen people uh, a couple months ago were literally raised from the dead in Brazil. Um, and and I, I have that on like secondhand authority. Um, so you can look that up. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, but I want to make it clear that when I talk about operating in power uh, as the second point, I'm not solely talking about simply the gifts that we would regard as supernatural. I'm talking about every spiritual gift which God has blessed us with. Um, one time, my mom, she's, she's an amazing cook, and she's been given this amazing gift of hospitality. And I don't know how many of you know that's... that's uh, some of you can attest to that. See the hands going up. I mean, hospitality is a spiritual gift too. And um, just like some people require... You know, some people, it takes... Um, a healing to 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 introduce them to God, and that that's what awakens um, this desire to know God. Some people it's a prophecy for this one guy that my mom helped out. What what it took for him to, you know, feel that love of Christ was for my mom to make him a batch of homemade cookies, because this guy had never had homemade cookies in his life, and my mom didn't know that. But my mom felt prompted by the Spirit to make this guy some homemade cookies. So she made him homemade cookies, invited him over, and he just broke down and said that that touched his life. So God's given us all gifts. He's given us um, the gifts of encouragement. That's, that's a gift that um, I love to, to operate in. I love to, to encourage people, bless people, um, call people out for, for awesome things that I see him doing, bless people with, with some love. And uh, he's, you know, he's giving people the gift of, of hospitality, of, of teaching, um, and, of, and of healing, and of prophecy. And we need to, to realize that there is so much in store for us. God has so much more than we even realize for us to do. And he will give us, through intimacy with him, he will give us just an unlimited overflow of all of these, these, these gifts and these anointings um, that we can use to further his kingdom, not to further our own ego. Um, that's not what it's about. It's about furthering the kingdom of God, giving him glory, introducing people to Jesus Christ. Um, and I've noticed that there are many people in the church today who are very wary of some of these gifts, kind of the supernatural ones more so. And I'd like to um, just kind of clear up some points on this and um, speak into why God might use such things as healings or prophecy or um, just amazing uh, supernatural gifts um, to further his kingdom. And my first point would be this. Um, God desires it to be on earth as it is in heaven. We have that information on the authority of Jesus Christ, um, who prayed in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. I believe we have this. Um, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we know that God wants it to be on earth as it is in heaven. We know that in heaven, 
There's no sickness. There's no pain. There's no evil. There's only good things. There's Jesus. There's God. There's, there's worship. There's food. We know that for a fact. I'm stoked. Um, so Jesus wants it to be on earth as it is in heaven. We know that's God's will. Um, and he, he loves his children and he wants them to be well. How many of you know that God is a good father and he gives good gifts and he wants his children to be prosperous? He wants his children to, to have health, to be well. I mean, any, he says, you know, who of you, um, you know, if you, he, he asks he the crowd, you know, who of you would give your children um, snakes or, or rocks if they ask for food? You know, if, if we who are, who are evil give each, our children good gifts, how much uh, better gifts is our father going to give us? So he wants his children well. So that, that might be one reason. In uh, Matthew 10, 7 and 8, he tells his disciples, and we are his disciples. We are learners. Um, he says, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you've received. Freely give. So he wants us to be well. He wants heaven manifested on earth. The second reason that he would use this, first of all, he loves us. The second reason is that it, because it reveals his power and it draws people to him. Um, as we read in the passage, uh, in verse 14, I'm going to read it again. It says, Nevertheless, through, uh, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So, people seeing these signs and miracles came and, and observed and saw the fruit that was being born. And they believed. They gave their life to Christ. This is a tool that God uses. You know, spiritual, spiritual gifts is, is a love language of God. It's a way that he communicates with us. And it's a way that he draws people towards himself and calls them into relationship with him. And we see the fruit that the disciples bore through these things. Um, in verses 15 and 16, it says, As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of their some of them as he passed by. So that's cool. So like he's walking by and his sh- like Trent is getting healed right now. Like he's, his shadow is healing people. I don't know if you guys, that's cool. I think that's cool. Um, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits and all of them were healed. So not only did, did it just, it call people into relationship with God when they saw these things and it ministered to their hearts, but also it attracted people to the message of the gospel. It says crowds came from all the nearby cities to see what was going on. And I bet you that not one person that came to see what was going on didn't hear the gospel. I bet you Peter, we know Peter's kind of pretty bold in here, and he's, he's preaching the gospel every chance he gets in front of the Sanhedrin, in front of um, you know crowds in the synagogue. So Peter's preaching all these people. So, so many people through these things heard the message of Jesus Christ. So God loves us. He wants us healed. And it's a tool that, that is used to, to draw people into relationship with God, to draw people into a knowledge of God. That's why. I'm sure there are more reasons. But, uh, and, and I'm not saying that, that if you don't, you know, if you're not seeing, pe- seeing people get healed every day through your hands or you're not prophesying all the time, you're not operating in God's spirit, you're not good. I'm not, I'm not saying that. You know, God's given us all different gifts and we all are able to, to operate in those. And, um, but all, all I'm saying is that, that God has so much more for you than you know. God has so much more for your life than any of us could ever know. You know, if you, if you sit at God's feet in intimacy, speak to God, you know, he, and, and you desire these things, Paul says to desire the gifts, you're going to see fruit. 
you're going to see it happen. If you pursue it, you're going to see it happen. And God's not going to love you more because you're, you're doing these gifts. God's not going to, it's not going to, Ooh, look at him. He just healed like six people. I'm extra love for him guys. Like he's not going to, he's not going to, he's not going to dish out more love because you're doing these, these great things through him. He loves you the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, no matter how you are. But it's, it's the fruit that can be born through these things. That, that is the goal. So just pursue those things. You know, it's, it's not, uh, these aren't, these, these are not uh, uh, an end in themselves, but they're a means to an end, which is the furthering of, of Jesus Christ's message of salvation and the fruit that can be born through these, um, through these things. Um, and, and another, another point, um, my, my three points are, you know, the first that we are, that what we do is birth through intimacy. We are operating in God's power and we are willing to pay any price. Those are the three, uh, three traits of revivalists that, I, that I'm speaking about tonight. And I think that a lot of times we take the second one, operating in power, and we kind of put that on a pedestal and we're like, ooh, I don't want that one. And we kind of chase after that and it's like, ooh, I just want to heal people and I want to do all these cool things. Um, but really, um, the reason I made intimacy with Christ number one is because that is number one. The number one thing we need to be seeking after and going after is intimacy with Jesus Christ. And through that, these gifts and the things that God has for us, the calling in our lives will be manifested. It is through hearing his voice, following his calling, doing his work, um, understanding his call in your life, that, that your gifts and that your, um, your abilities and um, everything that, that he's called you to do will be manifested and you will see fruit in that. Um, God doesn't want a whole bunch of people trying to um, get their ego fixed through his power. That doesn't work. Um, it's not good. Big no-no. So, the goal of operating in power, and when I say this, again, I'd like to clarify that I'm talking about any gift that God's given you. I'm talking about the gift of evangelism. I'm talking about um, the gift of, of, of going out and just, just preaching, teaching, whatever he's given you to do, the calling on your life, whatever he's given you to do. The goal is to further his kingdom, advance his message of salvation, and enact his will. So, our actions and our lifestyle is birthed through intimacy with Christ. We are operating as power and bearing fruit. And the third point I'd like to make tonight is that a revivalist uh, is willing to pay any price for God. Um, we're going to look at Acts 5, 27 through 42. Um, I'll summarize what, what happens in between. Basically, um, the apostles are arrested for teaching. Then an angel lets them go, and they're arrested again for teaching. So that's the third time. And uh, at that point, they are taken to, to the Sanhedrin. And uh, at that point, Peter, and they, they are condemned, um, and the, the Sanhedrin is, is telling them um, to not teach in the name of, of Jesus, and that they're filling, they're accusing them of filling uh, Jerusalem with the teachings, and are and determined to make the uh, Sanhedrin guilty of his blood. And Peter says, and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. <clears throat> 
He then addressed them. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theudas appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present matter, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. His speech persuaded them, and they called the apostles in and had them flogged. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. The apostles were so passionate, they were so fired up about Jesus Christ that they could not stop teaching. They went out everywhere they went. They were proclaiming, they were teaching. They were sharing the good news. And they encountered some, uh, some problems along the way. Um, they were arrested three times. They risked their life. The, the, almost the entire Sanhedrin wanted them destroyed and killed. Um, they were flogged. And they left, not, they left rejoicing, not that, they had, not that their lives had been spared, but they left rejoicing that they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus Christ. So in the same way, we as revivalists, as Christians in this day and age, need to not fear. We need to be willing to pay any price. Peter, in his um, letters to, to the church, um, make it pretty apparent that those who follow the name of Christ will suffer. There will be trials and there will be hardships. Um, just as, as Jesus encountered, just as the apostles encountered, there, it won't be an easy road. Um, and we must not fear. It says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7, that God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but he's given us um, a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. We need to operate in these. We need to realize that we have God on our side. As I was speaking about a passage from Joshua in weeks past, um, I made the point that when Joshua um, was about to attack the city of Jericho, um, God came to him and told him, See, I have given the city of Jericho with all its kings and fighting men into your hands. Go and take it over. And in the same way, our battle is won. We are fighting a winning battle. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, defeated every principality, defeated Satan, covered every sin. It is only up to us to spread that message. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, In Acts chapter 5, verses 38, 39, you're going to revisit this passage. Um, Gamaliel is speaking. um, And he says... um, Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men, and you will only find yourself fighting against God. God cannot be stopped. How many of you guys know that? If God is on our side, who can be against us? 
Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against us will prosper. We are fighting a winning battle. There's nothing to lose. And when we let fear control our actions, when we let fear, um, when we give it a foothold, it prevents us from accessing intimacy with God. It prevents us from operating in his power and it prevents us from ultimately being willing to pay any price. The power of the gospel transcends anything this world can do to us. And we need to be willing to go out, proclaim it and be bold. Give our lives for it. Jesus Christ gave his life. All of the apostles besides John who was exiled gave their lives for the gospel. Are we expected to do less? I don't think so. I think our whole selves, our whole life, our ambitions, our goals, our money, our education, everything we have, we need to be willing to lay on the line for Christ Jesus, for his message. Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Um, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good is it for a man man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? We are called to, as Jesus did and as the disciples did, be willing to pay any price. Be willing to go all the way. Um, I went to China last year, and the church there, uh, it's underground. They're persecuted. I was able to meet with, with some people who um, are involved with the underground church, some people who, who do some leadership in the underground church. And um, definitely in, in the last decade, it's, it's gotten a lot. Um, a little bit, the government has been becoming more lenient towards the church. And, um, but if, if, you know, if you're a pastor or a leader in, in the underground church, there's, there's severe consequences. If you're a member, there's severe consequences. Um, your life is on the line, and yet they go out and they proclaim the gospel, and ten thousand people come to Christ every day in that country. What if we here in Sonoma County were willing to pay the ultimate price? We're willing to go all the way. We're willing to stand up in our speech classes and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. What if we weren't ashamed? What if we would go out every day, tell all of our friends? Tell everyone we know. Be as Peter was. And every chance, someone, every time someone came to him, the beggar came to him and asked for money. Hey, here's the gospel. You know, you're in the, che- the checkout saying, hey, you know what? I know Jesus. You want to know Jesus? Like, what if we were able to put it all on the line? Give everything to God. Pay any price for the ultimate price that he paid. He gave everything. Let's give it back to him. It is through those who will go anywhere and do anything for Jesus Christ that this world is changed. So I'm going to pray for us tonight that as we go out from this place, as we go back to our home churches, as we go to our school, as we go to our places of work, that we, as the body of Christ, will be able to examine our lives, examine our hearts, And ask ourselves, truthfully, are we operating, are we living our life as a revivalist? Are we going all the way? Are our actions and our behaviors and our words, are they birthed through intimacy with Christ? Do we even get down on our knees every day before Jesus Christ and and pray and listen to his voice? 
I, I, I don't every day. That's a problem. Are we operating in the power of God? Are we bearing fruit? Matthew 7, Jesus says, you know, you will know a tree by its fruit. A good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. Are we seeing fruit in our lives? Are we operating in the gifts that God has given us? Are we accessing all that God has for us? We're not. And we can take steps towards that. We can take steps towards accessing more of the fullness that God has for each of us. The gifts that he's put on your life. Every single person in this room is anointed with gifts from the Holy Spirit if they have Jesus Christ in their heart. All of you have a calling on your life. Beautiful callings on your life to bear fruit for Jesus Christ. Are you walking in that? Is that how you live out every day? Do you go to school with that in mind? You know, who can I affect today? Who can I preach to today? A lot of times I don't. Are we willing to pay any price? That's a tough question. Am I willing to forsake my reputation whatever it may be at school as the athlete or, you know, the scholar for my love for Jesus Christ and be the Jesus freak. Yeah, you better believe that that is what we're called to do. Are we willing to accept and take persecution for our beliefs in the school system at our workplace? What kind of choices are we going to make So, dear Lord God, we love you so much, Father God. And we come to you tonight in this place full of of wonder and awe at your goodness and your mercy and your grace, God. You've saved us. You are perfect. You are holy. Jesus, you're holy, God. And you love us so much. And and that blows my mind, God, how much you absolutely love us, Jesus. You are a good God. And Lord, we pray that as we go from this place, God, that you would convict our hearts. You would enable us to examine our hearts and examine ourselves, God. God, are we living the life of a revivalist? Are we, are we going out about our daily business and doing your work? Are we, are we acting out of intimacy with you and pursuing that? Are we sitting at your feet and taking time just to be with you? God, are we operating in your power? Are we, are we doing your work? Are we living out your calling on our lives, God? Father, are we willing to pay any price for you as you paid the ultimate price for us? God, enable us to walk in these things, God. Give us strength. Jesus, we love you so much, God. We pray, God, that you would just empower us in your spirit. Speak to our hearts. Call us into deeper intimacy with you. Call us into deeper relationship with you, Father. Anoint our heads, Father God, that we may go out (laughs) and bear fruit, Jesus. God, we love you and we come into just a posture of worship now to honor you and your greatness. In your precious name, Father, amen.